Welcome to the Bounty Zero X podcast. I'm your host, Angelo Adam, founder and CEO of Bounty Zero X. Bounty Zero X is a decentralized bounty hunting network powered by the BNTY token. Today is November 15th, 2018, and my guest on the show is Eddie Lee. Eddie's pre- president of PledgeCamp. Uh, PledgeCamp is a decentralized platform that aims to solve longstanding issues of trust and misaligned user incentives in crowdfundings. Uh, PledgeCamp provides security for backers in the form of backer insurance and transparency requirements for creators. Eddie uh, graduated from the University of California, Berkeley with a dual degree in business administration and rhetoric. Eddie Lee is an experienced hardware, blockchain, and crowdfunding entrepreneur. When he's not innovating in the crowdfunding industry, he spends his time as an expert speaker and writer. His notable presentations include events at UC Berkeley, Kickstarter, and Backerit. Additionally, he serves as a Sky Advisor at UC Berkeley's prestigious startup accelerator, Skydeck. Uh, so, Eddie, thank you for joining us today on the podcast. Angela, it's my pleasure. So, tell me a little bit about uh, PledgeCamp and what you guys are working on. Sure. So, we call PledgeCamp Crowdfunding 2.0, where right now we have platforms such as Kickstarter and Indiegogo. And what they've done is really allowed people to connect over these projects, fund these campaigns. But there's a problem. Uh, a study has shown that 85% of uh, projects will delay. Up to 14% won't deliver anything at all. So there's this trust issue. And if crowdfunding 1.0 was about opportunity, now crowdfunding 2.0 is going to be about accountability and really tightening um, all these issues of trust and you know, these tensions between backers and creators versus where creators are not fulfilling their promises um, and leaving backers are frankly just burned uh, repeatedly. So what is the uh, primary challenge with achieving this type of solution that doesn't exist currently? Sure. So right now, these platforms, Kickstarter and Indiegogo, they play a middleman role where they won't, uh, for example, arbitrate disputes. And they don't want to do this is because one, they'll have to uh, be a custodian of funds during disputes and they have to take on mediation liability, basically telling backers or creators, hey, you're wrong or you're wrong. And this is, this is a whole headache that they don't want to get involved with. So they take a stance where they just don't get involved with disputes. They give all the money to the creators up front and whatever they do with the money, it's not their problem. So creators are left without any kind of accountability measure. Backers are left hoping they'll deliver, but if they don't, there's really nothing they can do. So what we do differently is we use blockchain to eliminate this problem of custodianship and the mediation liability. We put the campaign funds on the blockchain and empower backers to vote, essentially, as a verification measure. Did the creator uh, achieve this milestone exactly as promised? And if so, we'll release more of the funds that were collected during the campaign. So what this does is it creates an incentive for the creator to, in the first place, set more realistic expectations, really get their, you know, think through their production, think through their timelines, make sure that they'll deliver because they know that they'll be up to a vote if they don't fall through. So the global transaction volume in 2015 reached 34 billion for crowdfunding campaigns 
And the World Bank estimates that 344 million households in the developing world alone could contribute around 96 billion per year to crowdfunding. So currently Indiegogo and Kickstarter uh, allow people to contribute to campaigns only if those contributors, those people who are contributing come from one of 22 specific countries. So can you comment a little on the uh, limited participation that is currently happening with people who want to participate in crowdfunding campaigns? Yeah, like you mentioned, Kickstarter imposes some restrictions on people from joining. They have to be from certain countries. They have to have a bank account there. They have to hold a credit card. And the World Bank also noted that 63% of millennials don't even own a, a credit card, uh, whether it's a developing country or not. So this, it, it's the natural consequence of having a centralized um, platform, right? That there are restrictions and limitations. When you have something like crowdfunding, like as the World Bank noted, is it's a global phenomenon. And there's so many, it provides access to people who don't have connections to, you know, elite VC capital money or, you know, angel investors. These people are turning to crowdfunding because, again, it presents a new opportunity for them. There needs to be a better infrastructure in place that serves their needs, essentially. So this access problem is addressed it's one of the big things that cryptocurrency addresses beyond Pledge Camp. I mean, it's kind of the foundation of Bitcoin, right? It's borderless. It's, you know, free from politics or central arbitrary restrictions. It's completely inclusive. So bringing that to crowdfunding is, uh, like you said, a big step towards accessing those really huge numbers, those market numbers that you were mentioning, um, and making it as decentralized as crowdfunding is supposed to be. So are there any legal requirements, let's say, on a platform like Kickstarter or Indiegogo, which wouldn't apply to PledgeCamp uh, because the participants with PledgeCamp are working on or participating in a decentralized platform and contributing using cryptocurrency? Yeah, one example would be, of course, the having a standardized currency that everyone is using eliminates the needs for you know, money issuance and, you know, transfer into exchange into different currencies. Um, if everyone's transacting in PledgeCoin, which is our native token, uh, that eliminates that friction for people. Um, it's, yeah, the whole, the whole idea is just to be decentralized and let the crowd speak, right? Let the markets speak what projects should be funded, what innovations should be brought to the market. Let this determination go out to the market to the people rather than to maybe the biases of individual uh, VCs or institutions. So the pledge camp platform will require that all campaigns that are raising funds raise those funds using the uh, pledge coin, the PLG coin. So how do you uh, establish uh, a stable value for the PLG if you're going to be using it as the token that is used to raise funds with? Sure. So the point of a cryptocurrency is that you can do a lot of interesting um, things through smart contracts and through token rewards and really aligning people's incentives in an automatic way. So what you can do with a currency, with our native currency that you can't do with, say, a dollar 
um, or an Ethereum is, or an Ether is that you can align the success of the platform with the success of the token. So that if people are using it, if everyone's cooperating, collaborating to make these projects successful, more projects listing, um, the, the token value will reflect that. And what we do in our token economy is we have a two token economy. Um, there's something called pledge coins, which is the exchange, uh, the unit of exchange. And we have something called camp shares. And what camp shares do is it all the listing fees that are collected on the platform are redistributed to camp share holders. So the more successful the platform is, the more successful camp share is. And we do this so that instead of us taking those fees ourselves for being a middleman, we incentivize the community to be aligned and make this successful together. So the way you acquire camp shares is through uh, first acquiring those PLG, those pledge coins, and performing some um, decentralized work on the platform. So that keeps everyone aligned and that makes sure that the, the currency is stable if the platform is used and everyone is aligned together. So there are two coins. There's the pledge coin and then the camp share. So users hold the pledge coin, they stake the pledge coin, and then once they stake the pledge coin, then they receive camp share coins. But the requirement is that in order to receive the camp share coins after staking the pledge coin, they also have to uh, perform various actions and contribute to the platform. That's correct. So what that entails is moderation. So essentially, you, you know, by being a camp share holder, you become part of the user governance. If a campaign is flagged by the users for saying, for say being a scam or being illegal, um, the moderators will be called upon to come in, uh, achieve consensus on it, and take down those campaigns. So it, it allows curation to be to be uh, conducted by users, and again, not by us or a centralized party. Uh, and in return for their moderation, being called upon when needed, these moderators uh, are compensated by the listing fees. So the pledge coin is used... Um is required when anyone wants to start a new campaign, start a new crowdfunding campaign. They need to make it an initial deposit of pledge coins in order to unlock the ability to create a campaign. And then uh, that deposit is then returned to them if they perform certain actions like verifying their identity. Uh, and then the moderators are the users who determine whether or not those uh, requirements have been met in order to release the funds back, uh, the deposited funds back to the, uh, the folks who created the campaign and deposited the pledge coin? Well, you, you definitely did your homework, Angela. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much um, correct. The, the deposit system is actually a little bit more automatic. Um, say, for example, the the platform will ask the new creator and we require this deposit to reduce spam on the network. Um, so that not just only the people who are serious about listing about the campaigns will place a deposit, uh, and list. It's like a security deposit, but they'll get this back if they upload documents, things like, you know, uh, business identification documents or maybe intellectual property or business plans, basically things, um, that, are pretty standard declarations to 
investors in other situations. And because the blockchain can't determine if these things are genuine, um, the deposits are refunded automatically anyway as they're uploaded. But the good thing is that this system, again, it's about aligning incentives. This system forces or highly motivates creators to upload anything, like whether it's fake or real or not. But what that does is it puts it in front of the crowd. It puts it in front of the investors. They can see, hey, this looks suspicious or this looks fine. It's creating another level of disclosure and transparency that just doesn't exist on the platforms right now. Yeah, we've uh, at Bounty Zero X have thought about solutions for that problem. So if a company wants to post a bounty on the platform, how do we ensure that the user who's posting that, who's registered the account represents the company? So requiring them to make a deposit um, and then make that deposit refundable uh, once the documents are uploaded um, is, is a good way to solve that problem. So I think that that's a, a solution that, you know, is something at Bounty Zero X we would use and have been open to, you know, looking at that as a way to solve some of the problems on our platform. And I think it is probably a good solution. Um, so kudos to you for uh, thinking of that and uh, incorporating that into the, the some of the economics, uh, economic incentives that you're using. Um, yeah, thanks. I mean, it, it's funny because it's, it's these, we're not really reinventing the wheel here, right? And, you know, blockchain is radical and new enough that it, it's creating a new way to do existing tried and true methods, right? Like our backer insurance is simply escrow. You wouldn't go buy a house from someone and, you know, pay, or even when you hire contractors for work, you don't pay them 100% up front. You pay them in, in phases. So what we do is, what blockchain allows you to do is create an escrow system that doesn't require, again, mediators and liability and, and custodianship. It, and a central party would have incredible overhead if they have to evaluate every single milestone for every single campaign um, that's listing all over the world. It just can't be done. So blockchain allows us to do things like escrow, security deposits, um, these really basic things that are known to work, but it lets it happen in a decentralized and automated way that takes us out of the equation for one, us requiring overhead, and two, having someone like us impose arbitrary restrictions or you know arbitrary power and by taking us out of the equation, we're able to not require the listing fees ourselves. We give that back to the users. So really, this is making sure everyone's incentives, again, I keep saying that point, but it's aligning people's incentives to work together. And that's what blockchain can be really uh, radical at in all these different industries. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so one of, the, one of the features that will set apart the Pledge Camp platform from the Kickstarters, Indiegogos, are is the uh, the backer insurance and then the mediation of disputes and, and the alignment of all the incentives of the different uh, participants. So uh, let's take a look at the the backer insurance feature that you guys are uh, developing and that will be part of the Pledge Camp platform. So the concept with backer insurance is that you use smart contracts to hold a portion of the campaign funds in escrow so that, let's say, for example, a company raises $10 million on a pledge camp. 
um, you know, a certain portion which would be uh, selected ahead of time by the company uh, and then displayed. Uh, and then the company would have incentives to either increase or decrease that uh, insurance amount. Uh, so then that a, a certain percentage of that 10 million is, is held um, in escrow and then released once certain project milestones are uh, reached. So wh- are those, um, are those milestones set out in advance by the company and specified by the company or is, are the milestones specified by some, uh, a third party? The milestones and backer insurance are specified by the uh, entrepreneur raising the funds before the funds are raised. So to give an example, say you're a creator on Kickstarter, uh, but no, sorry, now you're on Pledge Camp because now we have backer insurance. So you're creating a new robot that can fold laundry, let's say as an example. And now you know because there's backer insurance, um, you need to know your production timelines very well. So you do your homework and you know that in six months, you can have a prototype that folds pants. So you set your campaign, you detail everything, you tell backers, hey, 40% of the funds that I raised are going to be used right now to build the prototype. But let's say, you know, the rest of it, I will ask you for those funds if I prove to you I have that prototype in six months, as promised. So the backers know that, yes, there's some risk involved because these entrepreneurs need to go out and start their projects, but they know that you know the final amount of funds is in their back pocket uh, just in case the creator turns out to be completely uh, irresponsible. So six months comes along, the creator can post a video of the prototype doing what's promised. So the backers they want to receive their products, right? So the backers will achieve consensus and say, yes, I believe the proof. Yes, the creator was accountable. We're going to release the rest of the funds and now you can send us your products. Um, on the flip side, say the, the backer, uh, say the, the prototype isn't ready, but the creator was very communicative. He's transparent. He's like, guys, I'm one month behind, but this is exactly what the factory said. This is exactly what I'm going to do. The backers still have the option to keep their confidence in the creator and release those funds so he can finish. So what this does is it can't guarantee that every project is going to deliver. But what it does do is it, again, incentivizes creators to be more prepared, more realistic, and also more communicative and transparent. So even when delays happen, backers are kept updated and they feel better about, you know, what the creator is doing. Uh, Either way, it's a win-win situation. So what do you anticipate will be the way that the milestones are going to be set out and defined by the campaign creators? So do you think that they'll be on average setting like one or two milestones or will they be having, will they be setting more than that, like five or six milestones? Because if I'm the creator of the campaign, my incentive would be to have as few milestones as possible because let's face it, I want as much funds guaranteed to me as possible. Uh, And the pushback against that would be that if I have fewer milestones, 
that need to be met before release of the funds. And I could potentially be receiving fewer funds from investors or, or participants in the campaign because they may be hesitant to contribute to a campaign that doesn't set out these milestones. So how do you think that that interplay will work out? I expect there to be on average, maybe two, uh, just a couple of milestones. I mean, if you have five or six, it also becomes a burden on the backers to keep voting and verifying. Um, And it's also like kind of a bureaucratic (laughs) like cost, but I think it's, it's a situation that really depends on the project, right? Is this a very complicated tech project that's going to require four rounds of prototypes, each with a large cost? And maybe backers will want to see more milestones uh, to feel more confident. So it's, it's really up to the creator to set that schedule, balancing their needs versus balancing kind of the expectations of the backers. Because if they don't set any milestones, they want 100% of funds up front they might as well go to Kickstarter and the backers are just as helpless um, and open to risk as they were before. So a creator should probably set a realistic timeline that they know they can hit and, you know, offer backers as much confidence as they're able to get. And the other incentive is the more backer insurance um, creators offer, the less listing fees that they will have to pay. So there is a motivation there to bear as much risk as you feel that you're able to follow through on. And the the voting on whether or not the milestones have been met is performed by the backers themselves. And what percentage of backers need to uh, authorize because you might get a few backers who say, well, uh, he didn't, the, the, the funder didn't necessarily meet all the 90, didn't fully meet the milestone or there's a technicality or, um, or they may just vote, they may just change their minds and, and say, even though the, fund, the, the funder did meet the milestones, I still want to vote to have my funds back because I changed my mind. So what are, what are the requirements that need to be met in order uh, for the voters to uh, approve? Like what percentage of the voters need to approve? Right. It'll be a 51% consensus on a refund. So that's the more drastic action. So that'll be the the limit. We'll need 51% of, of voters. And this isn't a system where, you know, individuals can change their mind and just say, oh, I don't, you know, I personally want my own refund back. It's not going to work like that. This is a consensus decision for the campaign. So that protects creators from, um, like you said, individuals just changing their minds. Um, it's, it's kind of against the spirit of crowdfunding. Like the creator needs those funds to deliver the project. So it'll have to be a complete lack of confidence and failure on their part to end the campaign. And so the backers in Pledge Camp play the same role as the backers do in Indiegogo or or uh, a Kickstarter or other crowdfunding campaigns. They're essentially purchasing a product or receiving some type of benefit to use the product or a discount on the product by funding it in advance. Or will, can you speak to that like as, as, as to what type of uh, benefit the 
uh, funders will be receiving and whether yeah, and or, or what type of projects will be qualified and, and be able to fund on Pledge Camp? Yeah, for sure. And I, I should speak to our experience a little bit before addressing that question. So we ourselves have run four Kickstarter campaigns over the last five years. We've raised uh, several million dollars and we're among the top 1% most funded teams ever on the platform. So we have experience there and, and we see that people back campaigns for a multitude of reasons, either the discount, um, they like to get it something that's not available anywhere else. And a lot of the times they really believe in the creator. They want to support innovative projects. Um, they want to help people's dreams come true, essentially. And it's a way for normal people to become investors and support other entrepreneurs in a way they couldn't before, unless you're like a VC. So the projects that we see listing on Pledge Camp are projects, it's called rewards-based crowdfunding. The backers will receive something tangible in return, a good or a service. Um, so therefore, it's not charitable. It's the backers are expecting something in return. And that's why the creators have promises that they need to fulfill. Um, and it's also part of the concern. People are wondering, oh, what if backers just like for fun want to, you know, cancel a, a creator? Well, if they do that, they'll lose whatever amount of funds the creator has already spent. Uh, and they also won't receive anything in the end. So backers want creators to succeed. And there's no backer that wants to back a project and hope it fails, but we're giving them a last out, um, a way to protect themselves in the worst case, but more importantly, it's a better incentive to hopefully increase the quality of the creators in the first place. However, but to clarify, just so the, the pledge camp platform won't be supporting like uh, investment in the, in the form of, equity interest or ownership interest in the company, correct? That's correct. We're starting with um, goods and services, but the model itself is still crowdsourcing a fund. It's something that we're exploring, uh, expanding into afterwards. It might require some more additional registrations, um, certifications, but it's something that you can move into. Mm -hmm. So the Pledge Camp platform has uh, a few other uh, unique components. Uh, so I want to change topics and uh, talk about uh, some of the other platform features. So let's jump to the uh, smart crowd. So um, the gig economy uh, we're all familiar with uh, is, is growing quickly. And these uh, backers want in some cases, to not only back a company, but also join in and actively assist the company uh, in other ways beyond just contributing to it. So what the uh, smart crowd feature enables is that it uh, lets creators easily recruit temporary workers on an as-needed basis uh, in order to add value to their project. So... Can you comment on that and tell me a little bit about how that works? Yeah, and I'm sure your listeners will be very familiar with the concept because it's essentially a bounty, right? I mean, right now in on Kickstarter, for us, if we've had to mobilize our crowd of backers, it's been a little more difficult. I mean, we can send email blasts and ask them to share. There's no way for us currently to reward someone for sharing on Facebook, which is something that, you know, we can 
quite frankly, ascribe a specific monetary value to, and we would pay it if we could. Um, so help asking your backers to uh, share on Facebook or Twitter, or maybe even translate your page into French or Chinese, or you know, asking someone to help you design a logo. All these things will, I mean, the greatest resource in crowdfunding is the crowd, right? The community, all these people with all their talents and knowledge and experiences creating a way, cryptocurrency creates a really good way to tap into that uh, in a automated way, in a way where you can have small amounts, uh, different currencies, people living all across the world. It makes it really easy. Um, so we're kind of taking a page out of the bouncy playbook and incorporating that into um, empowering what we call the smart crowd. And yeah, that's a great idea. I mean, it makes a lot of sense to have uh, the backers or other folks who want to join the campaign and assist them to, uh, to and let, let me uh, support a, a way for that to happen. So let's say, um, you know, some of the tasks you mentioned, face sharing on Facebook. So that would be paid or is that free? And, and how would how would the... Uh, economics of that work? Would the company like set the prices that they're willing and the jobs that they want these uh, these contributors or would they, uh, you know, reach out to them individually? Or, uh, how do you foresee or envision that uh, interface? I, I envision it's very similar to Bouncy OX even. Um, I mean, you can post that the creator will pay the user in Touchcoin. Uh, so there could be open tasks maybe like based on Facebook shares and verifications, or there could be maybe tasks you apply for. For example, we're looking for a translator in this language and uh, you'll receive a few inquiries. Um, but yeah, having, like you said, a, a, just a method to enable this is going to be very important. Yeah. yeah I mean, if uh, you guys want uh, to, you know, use our API and use some of our interface, we have, uh, we can make that available so that instead of building out an entire, uh, you know, system for that on your own, we could, you know, see if there's a way for you to save some of the development resources um, yeah, and, and use what we it. already built. Um, sure. So let's see. So then the other um feature that you guys have is the Knowledge Center, which um, is a way to catalog the expertise of the crowd. And it's a way to helping entrepreneurs uh, with, uh, you know, questions. And um, so do you envision this being like a, a subreddit or like a, a stack overflow where entrepreneurs ask questions and uh, the crowd answers them and they can source feedback from, from people about how to solve problems that they have yeah exactly stack overflow quora like we see you know the entrepreneur's journey is not just about raising funds they need to deliver they need support so um part of what we want to do is grow the ecosystem from just funding to these service marketplaces this knowledge center where we're hoping that allowing users in the crowd or even factories or fulfillment partners uh, experts um, and these vendors, they can contribute to the knowledge center, answer these questions, build their reputations, and then ultimately find more clients that way. And in the end, we we hope that 
you know, building out your team is very difficult for an entrepreneur, especially first-time entrepreneurs. So making uh, a marketplace where they can connect with people and find answers uh, is, is going to ultimately help the backers as well. So um, let's jump up to another topic. Uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, revenue and earnings and how Pledge Camp is going to be profitable and make money. Uh, so a percentage of the fees that are raised go towards the, uh, the moderators, uh, and the uh, various, uh, actors who perform the verifications and, and various services on over the platform. So then does pledge camp receive, uh, a smaller fee out of that to, uh, you know, for revenue, for operations and development of Pledge Camp, or, and where is the 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 profit come from from the Pledge Camp platform? So we we do not take listing fees actually, because that that is a it's not really a, a aligned incentive right now. These platforms want to list as many campaigns as possible, um, and they get paid you know when they're funded, not not paid when they deliver. So they don't really care if they're high quality, if they deliver any of that. Um, so that doesn't make sense to us. So listing fees um, are going 100% to the moderators and the community that's making, you know, you know, monitoring abuse and making sure that everything is successful. Uh, where we come in is one, we're having a um, public sale to fund the, um, you know, initial uh, part platform. But in the future, our revenue is going to come from the services marketplace, the market network, where if a vendor decides to uh, enter into a contract with the creator, then we'll take a percentage of that contract. So it's really when services are rendered, um, not just kind of middleman listing fees like the current situation. So the so the market network that you just uh, referred to is, for example, when a creator uh, connects with vendors. Uh, so the example would be like a, pla- a plastic injection molder or a shipping company uh, who are on the platform. Uh, then the contract between the creator and these third-party vendors, uh, a percentage of that would go to the company Pledge Camp as, as revenue. So if they enter into a deal where you know they buy... Um, you know, ten thousand dollars worth of services. PlayScamp gets a, a percentage of those uh, of those fees between the the third parties involved. Exactly, and we plan on taking three percent, which is typically you know credit card processing fee would be normally. And the advantage of of a vendor and a creator creating this contract on our platform is that if they do this using PledgeCoin on the platform. They can do this before the campaign is even launched. Say, for example, like you said, ten thousand dollars worth of plastic uh, is going to be, you know, is sourced already. The backers who are funding the campaign can see that contract in place uh, via smart contracts, and they can see that their funds will be used as promised. So it improves um, confidence that the backers for the backers, and they'll be more likely to pledge the vendor will be more confident that they'll get paid because they know if the money comes in, the smart contract is going to send it to them. And the creator is happy because they can find these vendors in one place. These vendors have their 
histories of working with similar projects on our platform preserved. And it's again, kind of a win-win-win situation for everyone involved. Yeah, so there will be an incentive for the vendors to want to join the platform in order to have access to uh, all these different, all these potential clients. And, uh, but these, these creators can go elsewhere for the services. They're not limited to only uh, hiring these third, these vendors that are on the platform. Absolutely. Yeah. We, we just want someone to find their best option, right? We want entrepreneurs to succeed. We want these products to be built. Uh, we feel that providing this service has a big value to a lot of these parties involved and we feel comfortable taking a fee there for that service. Um, but ultimately, yeah, it, you know, we're just trying to give people more options um, and opportunities. So uh, what do you anticipate the revenue from that will be? Do, I'm sure you have some financial models which go into the uh, basic uh, amount of revenue that you anticipate would be generated from this. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, it remains to be seen, of course, how what the adoption is like. But if you think about it, this is real economic activity, right? This is money exchanging hands for raw materials and for engineering services. Like this is, um, like you said, all those millions, billions of dollars going into crowdfunding to fund these projects. That money is going to be spent on building these projects. Um, so, I mean, however much of that we can capture through the service we provide, um, 3% is, is the cut that we felt, you know, we calculated was comfortable and reasonable for us, um, for the creators and vendors as well. So, I mean, ultimately, if the platform is successful and things are getting built, we're successful, everyone's successful, that's a lot better than the current situation where, um, you know, you're taking a cut just when money exchanges hands and things aren't necessarily going to pan out. So without giving like a specific number um, to that question, uh, we still feel that this is a better business model and also defends us from Kickstarter and Egogo from copying our idea because they would have to take a huge risk, just completely changing their entire business model uh, from scratch. Mm. So let's shift uh, topics and um, that's a good segue. We can segue into the competitive landscape. So there's the Indiegogos and the Kickstarters, which uh, you know many listeners are familiar with, that are in the traditional non-cryptocurrency space. And we talked a little bit about some of the components of their platform versus your, uh, Pledge Camp's platform and how they're similar and different and. Uh, some of the features that PledgeCamp will offer that Kickstarter and Indiegogo don't offer. Um, then there are some competitors in the cryptocurrency space like Starbase, Acorn Collective, Kick ICO. Do you want to briefly uh, talk a little bit about how um, PledgeCamp is differentiated uh, and some of the uh, uh, similarities between these platforms? Yeah, absolutely. So Kickstarter and Indiegogo, they'll take 5% from every campaign that gets successfully funded. Um, and like we mentioned in, in depth, but they kind of leave it at that. Indiegogo came out with some interesting news this week where they said they're going to experiment with a guaranteed delivery model where certain platform, sorry, certain projects 
won't basically Indiegogo will hold 100% of funds until they deliver, at which point they'll give the funds to the creator. So that indicates that this model is for projects that don't need the funding, right? They're not going to receive any of it until they deliver. So this is big companies, VC-backed companies that are using Indiegogo or this tool as a marketing method. So this isn't true crowdfunding. This, that's just a straight-up pre-order. Uh, that doesn't help an entrepreneur in Africa who is trying to build something for the first time. Um, so that's I'm interested to see how that will play out. What will happen if you know they need to issue refunds, whatever controversies arise. We'll see how that works out. Um, regarding the blockchain-based competitors, uh, Acorn Collective, I just recently heard some news that some of their funds, uh, they said, went missing, and they're not sure where it went. But they don't have... Um, one has as much experience, I believe, in crowdfunding as we do. I believe the founders are uh, coming from uh, medical backgrounds and they don't have, so w the point is they don't have insights into the model. They don't have backer insurance, deposits, any of these creative features. They use cryptocurrency to eliminate uh, credit card processing fees and crowdfunding and make crowdfunding, they say, free um, with cryptocurrency. So that's, that's their uh, big model. Starbase, um, i believe is still kind of in, in a beta. Um, and so is KickITO. They have some projects, but it's not sure how much of that um, traffic is real. I guess the, the main point is there are these competitors which show that there's, there's interest in the space. There's a need that's been identified. But what's really going to set TypeCamp apart is, one, we have deep industry knowledge uh, that's necessary for disrupting um, the industry. Our team has been in crowdfunding for many years, like I mentioned. We've had a lot of success there. Uh, also, our advisors. We have a lot of all-star advisors um, that your listeners probably may have heard of. We have Randy Zuckerberg, who created Facebook Live, and she's now doing her own uh, media uh, and, and supporting entrepreneurs thing. Matt Curcio is the VP of data at Ripple. Uh, Keith Keir is one of the founders, the founding shareholders of TechCrunch. So we have a lot of people who have identified Pledge Camp as uh, what they believe is the best solution to this problem. Um, I think that really sets us apart. Yes. Yeah, so let's uh, maybe talk a little bit about the team that you managed to put together. So you're the president and uh, how did you come to be, uh, uh, you know, join the team and uh, get involved with the Pledge, Pledge Camp project? So the three founders, we were all friends at UC Berkeley. Uh, Jay, the CEO, he's an expert at you know business strategy, fundraising strategy, uh, vision, and really you know keeping the company chugging along. Sam is the CTO, uh, complete full stack engineer, uh, you know, a cryptocurrency miner in his spare time is, is extremely uh, capable, and the team we put together um, is. You know, we have three blockchain engineers, um, a designer, a UX UI designer, operations manager, and we're also aligned with this firm called MetaLab. And MetaLab is this world-round firm based in Vancouver, Canada, and they built Slack, Coinbase, Oculus, a lot of other projects you've heard of. Um, and we've entered into a, a, quite frankly, huge contract with them to build and design Pledge Camp so that it's not just like any other ICO that raises money and can't deliver products. These are like the big guns. Um, so 
that's kind of the team behind the development uh, of Fudge Camp. Have you has have you or your team raised funds until now through a seed round or an angel round? Yeah, we raised uh, through seed and private placement. Jay's been the expert at that. Uh, we've we've received funds basically from um, angel investors, smaller institutions, and also um, we'll announce the news soon. But we're receiving some funds from uh, cryptocurrency exchanges as well. And then you, your team, you and your team uh, successfully crowdfunded for. Uh, different projects on Kickstarter. Do you mind telling us uh, briefly what those projects were? Yeah, they, they were all different. We started out with a Bluetooth camera um, that's stuck on the wall and you can control it with your smartphone. Then we moved to Bluetooth uh, audio adapters and Bluetooth speakers and we kind of built entire new products every time, which was a huge uh, undertaking. It was very ambitious and difficult. Um, but it kind of goes to show like we have experience building real products, delivering into the market. The cameras were in Urban Outfitters um, and online, like Target and Fab.com online. So we have experience shipping real stuff to real people. So I think that, again, that experience in execution um, does give us a leg up. Okay. Anything that we missed or any important topics that you'd like to discuss? Honestly, this was a lot more thorough. This may have been the most thorough interview that I've ever given, so I really appreciate that. Uh, your team yeah, definitely did the homework. Um, I would say I just want to mention our public sale coming on December 3rd. And I don't know. I feel like we've really covered the product well. Thank you. Yeah, my pleasure. I'm glad to I hope I can assist and <laughs> happy to uh, excited to hear about the project. And, um, you know, if you guys want to discuss internally about know, leveraging the Bounty Zero X platform for a component of the, uh, you know, the, the bounty portion. And we'd be happy to, you know, discuss uh, and talk about that uh, with you guys. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, and the, you know, we're excited to hear about the project and happy to have you on. Thanks for taking the time and uh, want to be, uh, you know, uh, respectful of your time and for our listeners, uh, where can they go to learn more about Pledge Camp and uh, follow you and uh, join the your bounty campaign? For sure. Our only official website is pledgecamp.com. Um, just the word pledge and camp, C-A-M-P.com. Our Telegram channel is similarly t.me slash pledgecamp. And you can uh, reach out to me personally. My email is eddie at pledgecamp.com, E-D-D-I-E. Um, and we're looking forward to getting tokens in the hands of the community uh, so that they can really be early on, uh, get in early, and uh, hopefully get their hands on some camp share in the future as well. Great. Uh, my guest on the show today is Eddie Lee. Uh, eddie is the president of Pledge Camp. Thank you for coming on the show today and talking to us about the project. Awesome. Thanks, Angelo. And I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, working with Bounty OX further in the future, too. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Bounty Zero X podcast. Please remember to subscribe to our podcast below. Check out BountyZeroX.io, the number one bounty hunting platform where you can complete work and earn cryptocurrency. 
please consult your professional financial investment and tax advisors before making any investment in initial coin offerings. Bounty Zero X does not provide investment or financial advice and does not endorse or recommend investment in any ICOs advertised on the Bounty Zero X podcast or website.